0: This is a Valerie Moss original podcast.
1: My name is Brandy Fleck, and you can find my work at humanamplified.com. And we are on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter at humanamplified.
0: And your Pinterest is something to get lost in, that's for sure.
1: That's a lot of hours in there, isn't there? <laughs> there really is. Um, gosh, I've been doing it since Pinterest like first came on the scene, and it was just—it started out as stuff I just loved and morphed into whatever it is today. So I know it's incredible
0: what you have on there. Is that like um, a business Pinterest page, or is it just your personal? Hey, everyone, it's Valerie here. Today's show, we are welcoming Brandy Flack from the Human Amplified podcast, where I have been a guest on her show. And I have also wrote anonymously under a pen name, an article for her blog. Brandy has a journalism background. She's overcome childhood abuse in a variety of forms. And her mission is to seek out the good in humans. What being human means on an amplified level, so settle in for this wholesome interview with this gal from Tennessee and how she has learned and continues to learn about us as the human race. It's her mission. Hi, everybody. I would like to welcome Brandy Flack to the show. She is the founder and owner of Human Amplified, an internet hangout focusing on personal development through communication. Human Amplified was born in 2018 after one of the mass shootings in the US made it clear that Brandy needed to get to work on our societal, cultural, and social issues using her strengths and extensive experience in writing and art. Brandy seeks to use storytelling to get real and raw about who we are and why, and inspire others to connect on an authentic level, prompting discussion, healing, and blazing trails to spread love, beauty, and inclusive, positive change. In October of 2018, Brandy launched Human Amplified as a podcast, formerly known as On Being Human. In addition to the five star Human Amplified podcast in 2020, Brandy launched the Human Amplified blog, a fine art collection, and the What It Means to Be Human ebook, which I've read, which explores the human condition by combining the perspectives of over 60 podcast guests. With Brandy's unique observations, Human Amplified is now a growing community resource, and outlet. Brandy has been a commissioned fine artist since 2001, a professional writer since 2005, and a graphic designer since 2007. On a personal level, Brandy has roots in Appalachia, is thriving after childhood abuse, and enjoys spending time with her husband, four sons, and a cat in the greater Nashville, Tennessee area. Using her penchant for creativity and transcendence, Brandy is on a mission to revamp society by amplifying your humanity. I had the pleasure of meeting Brandy through an online Facebook group where she wanted stories about a near-death experience. And I said, I have a story about saving a life which got me a spot as a guest on her show. Take a listen to our interview. Being human to me means having empathy, means reading a room for emotion, feeling emotion, being connected to people on a level that doesn't really like need words, just having that spiritual feeling feeling even though I'm not super religious, but having that and just kind of knowing that you matter, you matter to the people you're with, you matter to the people that are in your
1: circle. Welcome to the On Being Human podcast, where we believe transforming ourselves can positively transform society. Your host, Brandy Fleck, has the honor of exploring the human condition with real people who bravely share their personal stories of adversity, healing, joy, and more. If you're seeking empowerment, strength, and inspiration, listen in to engage and explore tough topics that help us humanize one another, understand ourselves better, spread love, and connect.
0: On being human to human amplified, so why the name change and the brand change? Tell me about what your inspiration was for that.
1: Sure. Well, um... The short answer is, it was sort of just a natural evolution from what I thought I should start out as to what ended up serving my audience better. And, and as I was finding out who my audience was, it was clear that the edgy artwork was um, important. And it was clear that cutting straight to the chase about certain elephants in the room or just addressing deep issues or addressing big issues deeply was really important to them. So it was clear that it was time to sort of just get edgier and grow Mm. and mature into more of who we were. Now, that's the short answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, there was actually... A longer piece of this that that prompted it if you want to hear about that absolutely yes I'm new to Instagram it's the newest social media platform that I have for human amplified and when I got on I started posting to the hashtag on being human Mm -hmm. And, um, I had had the podcast in the business for two years when I finally got on Instagram. So we were established, um, have a presence, but a woman who had written a book by the same title Mm -hmm. saw my post and was like, that's my brand. What are you doing? And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I have a legal company. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, it's not a thing. Yours is a book. Mine's a podcast. It's two different things. But that prompted me to look into it. Um, And when I was looking into trademarking in the U.S., I found that there were other companies um, all around, like so many, the market was so saturated with such um, a name with these common words on Mm. being human. That basically prompted the thought process to even think about it's time to change Um, but once I started making the change, it was so natural. And it was just like, oh, this is who we were meant to be all along. And it felt wonderful. And, um, I'm super happy with it and we've gotten really good responses. So Mm,
0: like I was following you before the change for probably a year or so now, And then when you made the change and you really were launching some, as you would say, super edgy artwork, Mm -hmm. and you kind of have a really distinctive theme to your look and your feel and your brand, it's very um, purposeful and thought-provoking. And I was a ghost writer for one of your segments, and on that segment, you chose artwork to go along with my story which was so powerful having not, I didn't have any say in what you chose Mm -hmm. because I left it up to you. So you have a way of kind of pulling these words and developing a narrative around it that comes through in your artwork. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I really really think, I think, I think you do a really
1: good job at that. So that's an awesome compliment. I appreciate it. Oh, you're
0: welcome. Yeah, no, for me, it's the the total truth. And I really like what the kind of the color schemes you've done and Mm -hmm. you're pretty girly and you kind of have a shine to the pinks and grays and it's just so refreshing. Yeah. Stands out.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason I've gone that direction is because, um, and, This goal has always remained the same where we're telling these personal stories and people are coming in with these, I mean, highly sensitive issues most of the time where they've experienced trauma or um, they're going through internal growth and they're sharing that. So when I was thinking about the process that people would go through when they come and share on human amplified i thought well we all have struggles we all sort of blossom when we finally embrace who we are and i thought what imagery what imagery does that conjure for me and so i started looking around and i found this image of a succulent plant that had all of these like sort of gray blues and pinks in it, the way the lighting was hitting it. And I found an image of a mountain, a snow capped mountain in black and white. And these all made me feel um, like I imagined a guest would feel if they were telling a story on the show, sort of the evolution of their growth. And so I took the colors from those images.
0: Yeah, it's just so they were so complimentary. Plus, if you look at the fragility of a little succulent plant, to the mm-hmm. comparison of this big rock mountain, this bravery versus the softness, like, that is what you have in your shows, you have the bravery of a, a somebody coming forward with this incredible heart wrenching story. Mm-hmm. And then you have the softness of Maybe what they were before, or what they've grown from. Yeah,
1: that's kind of how I I see that. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm on your page. (laughs) Yeah, and I've never actually thought of it exactly like the way you just put it, but it's it's really interesting to hear you say it. And um, Mm. yeah, it. That's it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, I (laughs) nailed it.
0: decided on your color scheme and your branding, because you went from like a kind of a black and like kind of a more of a studio look and feel. So mm-hmm. black background, really focused on the the face of your guest, mm-hmm. um, short and sweet about the guest name. Now you've kind of gone into, well, I'll let you explain because you've kind of evolved into this a little bit more of like a little story with your Branding, so each one has kind of a one sentence story about your guest or your episode.
1: Sure, Um, do I have that right? Well, maybe, maybe. What do you What do you mean by the one sentence story? So
0: when I was looking at your Instagram, it looks like Human Amplified. When you have a guest on, you kind of are describing a bit about. What they've gone through and why we should listen to the episode. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, it was more like the title of the episode on the artwork with the guest, but not necessarily get into any of the nitty gritty on it. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Is that, that makes total sense. Yes. That was part of the evolution. And um, it's funny because it was such an evolution. And I come from a really corporate background. Um, When I say I've been a professional writer since 2005, um, I've worked in software companies, Mm. business trade publications, things like that. And um, you get very technical. And so as I was coming out of the corporate world, that was sort of um, evident in my art, I think, to begin Mm -hmm. with. It I was like trying to break through and be edgy, but I couldn't quite shake that corporate um, sheen or whatever Mm -hmm. that, you know, that box. Yes, that box. And as I was doing it over the years and getting, well, over the last couple of years and getting further and further away from that corporate box and learning more about the people who belong on the show and the people who listen to the show. That's just, it was just the natural evolution that, no, you don't have to be corporate to make a difference. You don't have to be necessarily the most PC or you don't have to be necessarily the, well, for lack of a better word, you just don't have to fit inside a box of what people expect. So the artwork became more a reflection of the people who were in the community. I guess mm. if that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. More personal. Yeah. More personal. And then you wrote a little little snippet about you know why we should listen and it really brought the image of the person is great but why do we need to know about this person? Why do we need to know their name? So now we know why and that you should listen because mm-hmm. they have an incredible story to tell. Right, exactly. So when you commit to your socials, do you have like a formula that you use or what do you find is the most important beneficial that you use? Do you find one avenue is better for podcasting and the other one's better for your blog or or
1: are they, you kind of just commit to all of them? I'm thinking about this. Um, It's actually a work in progress. This is something that I'm actively working on right now. I've always, um, well, just to date myself. My Space was my first social media love, but um mm-hmm. I moved over to Facebook a long long time ago and I'm just more comfortable there. So that's mm-hmm. where um I've had some success selling art and getting people to interact with um you know, fine art posts and things like that. Mm-hmm. They get excited mm-hmm. about it. So um When I switched from doing a lot of art to podcasting, I just kept that platform. So there's no real science behind it right now. Um, Since I do have more time these days, (laughs) um, I decided Mm. to start pushing stuff out on Twitter and even LinkedIn and Instagram Mm. um, just to get it circulating. Hmm. But I don't have, yeah, I don't have a scientific like answer or anything like that. No formula. No formula. (laughs) You find um,
0: LinkedIn has a good line for you to push art and like personal things more than strictly corporate? It's all an experiment
1: at the moment.
0: Hmm. So interesting. Cause I know other people who push on LinkedIn as well. And I'm like, wow, like for me, I guess I'm kind of that corporate person where I really keep my, professional stuff separate than mm-hmm. this side hustle. yeah. But I find it in intriguing too. So that's interesting.
1: Hmm. Well, that's what I was trying, what I'm trying to figure out is which podcast episode should I post? Which blogs should I post up there? Some of them do cross over, you know, like if you're working on soft skills, or if you're doing some kind of internal work, or you need to deal with stress from work, and you need to meditate, some of that stuff really does cross over. Mm-hmm. But um, I think LinkedIn is going to end up being a place where if I have exposure, I will meet expert guests who are a good fit for the show. But I haven't found that, um, that perfect formula yet.
0: Hmm. I like where you're going with that
1: because yeah. I mean,
0: we're on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we be interested in what we're putting out there? Yeah. Other people like us. So I can see where you're going with that. And it's more like a, another Avenue of. A platform that you can gain an audience that's in the same respective demographic, basically, or age or going through kind of the same thing. That's kind of an interesting way to look at
1: LinkedIn. Yeah. And I mean, you sort of hit on this too, is that there are different purposes for these different social media outlets. And Mm -hmm. so you can use them in different ways in, you could even present an episode in one way on Facebook for what those followers might be interested in. And then the exact same episode on LinkedIn, just in a different way, even though it's the same content to get to what the people there actually want. It's just a matter of observing and knowing what they want, I think.
0: Yeah, I'll be following you on your little experiment there because I think that um, is interesting on LinkedIn. What's your most popular episode or a favorite episode
1: and why? My most popular episode is episode 55, No Justice, No Peace. And it's one of the um, later episodes that we put out in season two. And we're in season three now. But um, gosh, this episode was it came about after some of the civil unrest over racism was happening in the United States um, several months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were in the middle of lockdowns and things just came to a head here. And um, I met this woman and she's a successful black woman in a fortune 100 company so she um is a huge sales executive and she was being called on to basically teach her white colleagues about racism now that all of this civil unrest had unfolded and wow. yeah it was sort of a double-edged sword for her because um she, it was overwhelming, because she had to go through so much to get to where she was. And a lot of people didn't understand that. So she was super excited that people were having the conversation. And she's hopeful for the future. But at the same time, you know, she was like, why? Why do you have to ask this? Because it should have been this way all along. And what was so powerful about it is she went to a protest and in L.A., uh, Los Angeles, California, and led a chant with a bullhorn. And it was like a turning moment for her. And hmm. she actually had audio from that protest. Oh, my word. And so we put it in the episode and it was just, I mean, amazing and um, inspiring. Scary, inspiring. hmm It was a very peaceful protest. Most of them were at this point. And she, um, a lot of people have just gotten strength and inspiration from that episode, I think.
0: Hmm.
1: And very timely, Mm -hmm. considering what our countries are going through. Yes. Yeah.
0: I've been reviewing your podcast in further detail. And I was looking at some of the reviews on Apple podcast. What is a review that has lingered with you? And do you have a couple that you might like to share? Some of them were totally incredible. Thank
1: you. I should mention too, that in terms of my Favorite episode? Mm -hmm. I want to know that. This is sort of related to episode 55, but the episode that actually came out today is called Why Are All These Guns Pointed at Me? Oh my word. (laughs) And um, a friend of mine who I worked on a newspaper with in college. Her apartment was raided by the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the DEA, which I'm not exactly sure what that stands for off the Drug, top of my head. Drug Enforcement oh, Agency. That's it, mm-hmm. the DEA. Mm-hmm. And then another agency that was unidentified, just sort of unannounced, descended on her apartment. And this was several months after Brianna Taylor had been killed. Mm -hmm. So she thought she was dead and there were rifles pointed in her face. And um, it was very traumatic. What I didn't think about before I did the interview was, well, I thought about, yeah, This was a horrible experience. It's tragic that our systems are set up in a way that these things can happen without accountability and without some kind of checks and balances to make sure you're not busting in on the wrong person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. then hurting an innocent person. But I didn't think about the after effects. And so she spent a lot of time explaining what she's been going through, even though this happened back in September. Okay. And I mean, PTSD, all kinds of like, and because then the pandemic hit, she had to start working from home in the home where she was traumatized. Mm-hmm. So it's just that episode since I recorded it, because we record pretty far in advance um, mm-hmm. on my show. And it's just haunted me since, since oh, we recorded man.
0: Panic set in because I realized they were saying the police, it's the police, uh, like open up. And I'm like, surely they're at the wrong place. Like there was so many things racing through my mind. I'm still in my PJs. I have no clue what's happening and I panicked. And of course, this is all after, months after the whole Brianna Taylor thing. So I'm by myself. I try to run through my hallway and I hear them like, we're coming in and I'm like, what it is I'm like this still I'm just in disbelief with all this happening so fast and then I'm at the side of the door because I'm thinking well what if they just start shooting in here yeah like how are they coming in and there's just so much banging so much banging that I finally just flew open the door just in time.
1: So you asked about reviews. I think my favorite review ever, and they're all great. And I am so grateful that, like, to have these.
0: They're amazing. Definitely amazing.
1: The one I love is from a listener on Apple Podcasts, uh, Accidental Poet, and it's called Humanity at its Best. Hmm. And they say, Brandy Fleck has an intrinsic knack for asking the right questions to pull out gems from people's stories. In this podcast series, she delves into a myriad of topics to explore all aspects of life and humanity from wildly diverse perspectives. Always with a gentle nature and inquisitive drive, Brandy is able to highlight the amazing stories and qualities in people that make them shine through the pain and love experienced as humans, highly recommended for any living person. And the reason that that particular review really makes me feel good is because, um, this person recognizes the gentleness and sort of sensitivity that you have to approach these personal stories with. And I just thought, Oh, yay. I'm actually, I must be doing it right because. you know, I really respect everybody who comes on the show and I really am honored that they would allow me to help them share their experiences. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it just, it feels great. (laughs) I think
0: she's right. And that's actually one of the reviews I read as well. Because when I was on your show telling my traumatic story, like I was blubbering and you were just giving me room to have my moment and you asked questions that I didn't really reflect on at the time, okay. nor, nor had I even thought about it in all these years. Cause it had happened like 20 years ago mm-hmm. or so right around there. And I felt that. I felt that you were so kind and just so calm about how sensitive the topic is or Mm -hmm. was in my case or is for other people. And you allowed them to have the pause and reflect and didn't really rush the episode to get the goods. You were more about the journey and the story and
1: Mm -hmm. the ending
0: wasn't really in sight at the
1: time. So I would agree with that review very strongly. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. That's great to hear because, you know, I I get to talk to guests afterwards and sometimes people are like, oh man, telling my story was such a cathartic experience and, Hmm. you know, but you don't always know. You don't always get to talk to people and, and say, are you okay? Did that feel okay for you? Because I'm always super concerned after I... Get off the Zoom call, like, oh, I hope that they did not regret, you know, sharing this personal story. And, right. But it's, I think it's going fine and it, and it's a worry for nothing probably. Yeah, you never know. And I mean, being
0: in, in the environment with you, I feel like you um, exude a trust and a confidence, like I can trust you with my story. Mm-hmm. And I think that says a lot about your character as well, opening up to people and, you know, just being that sounding board, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, like you you become that sounding board and that person that we can tell you everything and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's the bag by the side of the road. And now you feel huh, like I got that off my chest after all these years. <laughs> And you just kind of collect all the words and you put them into this form where it's easy to listen to and, um, and just provide this platform where people feel safe enough to tell their crazy story or their horrible life event or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When you first started down this road and you wanted to know about humanity and there was the shooting, what was, your for, what was your first line of questioning? Like, how did you know people would tell you their story? Like, did it take a while to kind of get some, because I know you've interviewed family and friends and colleagues and, you know, people in your inner circle, but- still for them, those are people, you know, personally, like, how did you kind of break down that barrier, gently walk back and forth between that personal connection and then Brandy as the interviewer? don't know. No, no. This is a big question. I know. I'm so curious, yeah. though, because you made me feel so safe and um, comfortable telling my story. And how did you do that? How do you do that, Brandy? Oh, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's ever asked me that before. Let me think about um, this. Okay, I'll let you think about it. Okay. There are a couple layers to it, I guess, with everything in life. But I went to school for journalism. So I was trained um, to interview people. And when when I decided that I needed to do something to work on our societal issues and our social issues, because I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, I'm like, why are people doing these things? Why we're just in this pressure cooker. And I think people have gone sort of mad and in some regards, and they don't know how to deal with these traumas that are forced upon us through generations of systems that are like perpetuating these, cycles of abuse and I mean it's so huge so all of that (laughs) to say Mm -hmm. I thought well what are my strengths what am I trained in I can use art I can use writing I know mass communications I know how to interview people and even when I was writing um, in the software industry and things like that I had to take information from highly analytical or complex, um, topics and distill it down into something that was understandable and usable for a person, for anybody. Who, yeah. For anybody. Right. So that combined with, I think just my personality, which is, I would say, um, I'm, I'm a gentle person, I can be a passionate person, and I can stand up for things I believe in, and for myself and for the people I love and care for. But I don't like to be pushy, I don't like to be aggressive. And I also, you know, I've, I've been in hard situations. Um, And so I think I just bring that experience of knowing how hard it was when I was going through something, and combine it with the training—you know, the mm. the interview training and things like that—and come out with this safe space, mm. if that makes sense. Hopefully, I. Mm-hmm. I think you do.
0: have a great formula, and I mean, if anybody. Wants to be interviewed on Brandy's show, like you just totally should, because she <laughs> has a way, you just have a way of asking great questions, good leading questions, but you also have questions that, um, make people ponder and reflect and have self-assurance knowing that they're, whatever they say is the right answer. Like
1: you have that building that confidence in the guest. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think, I really believe that, that whatever they say is the right answer and just suspend judgment. That's probably part of it too. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Who is a guest that has permeated your soul with their story and is it the guest that we talked about a moment ago or do you have Uh, another one yes
1: it's erica it's erica Mm -hmm. and um that was episode 62 and so it's so recent you know had we done this interview for your show a few weeks prior i don't know what I would have said because every, I, I feel like I remember every guest who comes on the show very vividly. I remember making their episode. I remember sort of like um, going through their story with them and really listening. And it it's hard. It's hard to choose because I feel like a little piece of everybody's mm-hmm. story that I've talked to is with me you know mm-hmm. um but because i've because erica's episode just came out and um i just can't believe that happened to her and i i can't imagine what what it would be like and and so i feel that i just think about her often i think about her a lot lately Hmm. Yeah, I know. I have a friend that
0: says that you were meant to do what you do. you were meant to meet that person, you were meant to interview that person. It's in your cards. It's not by chance. It's because you work toward it. You asked for it. They aligned with you. You're at the same place and same time. Like if we weren't have been in that Facebook group and I didn't happen upon your request, we would never have met. Yeah. How would we have ever met? I know.
1: I know. Because you're like crazy? way
0: far away. We're not even in the same country. Yeah. There's a reason that you do what you do. And there's a reason why you have these people on your show. And maybe it's to mark your character in a different way, or maybe it's for you to mark them in a different way. So then you guys can heal separately and together. Cause now you're bonded, like you and I are bonded. Yeah, we have this connection, Mm -hmm. and I think like uh, you know I used to have interviews in my studio. If you can imagine, we'd share a microphone and stuff. Uh huh. That wouldn't happen anymore, but like I had people in here, and I you know I can feel them. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to meet. We're supposed to have that conversation. So it's you're how you feel about your friend or Erica is made that way. It's the recipe that you're now part of. Oh, I love that perspective. Mm -hmm. I believe that. I believe that. Um, Let's talk about kind of a more tragic topic and, you know, we're we're recording this in January of 2021. We've been through a heck of a year already mm-hmm. in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh um, Brandy has four kids, so she knows the whole homeschooling debacle. And can we add that to her resume that we are homeschooling moms? <laughs> yeah, like
1: teachers aid.
0: I know. Um, yeah, TA I don't know. <laughs> or principal or something. Like I think I would be a principal. Yeah. Um, I guess so. But the tri- like the trials and tribulations over the last year, like we've all been going through these. Mm-hmm. And then your city gets hit by a bombing. Mm. Like even to say that I have like seriously chills all over my body because I saw your posts and they just
1: like broke my heart. Yeah. can't um, imagine. Christmas morning. Nashville was hit by a suicide bomber and you know to be honest I don't know all the details surrounding it other than this person did have an intent to destroy something near the AT&T building Um, They did warn, there was a message that played um, from this RV that was parked beside the AT&T building. And it basically told anybody that could hear this message, you need to evacuate now. And the cops went in too and started getting people out before the bomb went off. So there were like, hardly, I don't think anybody was killed. Um, At least the last time I checked the news, that's what I saw. Now, will there be traumatic impact? Of course. And my husband and kids and I, we live about 20 minutes outside of the city. So we weren't impacted in terms of like having to evacuate or losing material possessions like some people were. But how we were impacted is that Christmas morning, communications just went down.
0: Oh, my word. Christmas morning,
1: Christmas morning, the Internet went down, um, you know, the our phones weren't working because we all go through the same provider. Not everybody in the area did. But so, you know, when our families were trying to call, when, you know, it it took two days to basically be able to get back on the grid, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and then we realized everything that was happening. We sort of heard through the grapevine, oh, there was a bombing. that's this is why we we don't have any communications right now. And you know, I haven't been following the news very much because it is so overwhelming. and everything is so politically charged right now in the u s. But um, I think, and this is just my own speculation, um that the, Bombing in Nashville is somehow related to the insurgency and the riots on the Capitol. The political. Oh, my word. And for some reason, they wanted to target a communications center. But I don't know. Well, ATT is like
0: massive.
1: hmm. Yeah. So
0: that would be your home phone, if you still have one, mm-hmm. and all your mobile devices,
1: mm-hmm.
0: exactly. all your iPads, all your TV, Wow. I mean, everything. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I mean, on Christmas, you can probably have a break from everything, but to not be able to
1: talk to family, that's, you know, near and dear and far. Yeah, or no, wow. if people who lived closer that you care about if they were hurt, you know, right. And um, that area that was blown up is so many good memories have happened there. Um, I've had years worth of birthday dinners and fancy restaurants on mm. that street. And all of our concerts Well, they used to be on the riverfront, a lot of them. Um, because you know it's music city, so there's tons of live music, or there was before COVID. And just uh these landmarks are gone.
0: Because your husband's a musician as well. So you he is you guys are huge music people. And you love to listen to music. So oh yeah. My cousin actually lives um by Nashville as well. I can't remember the name of the town, but a couple hours away Mm. from um, Nashville. It's just slipping my mind. And yeah, and he's a musician as well. So he plays the saxophone. So he was just starving for gigs and going to see live music because it's just so prevalent there. Mm -hmm. Like your city must be so quiet considering how it would normally
1: be oh yeah I mean
0: yeah (laughs) I mean not that you could go out now and enjoy anything so like our whole world is just a different kind of quiet right that's
1: yeah that's what I was thinking about um like people have been out and about you know with their masks on and things like that but um it was it was eerily Mm. quiet and just, I don't know. Reflecting. Yeah. I feel like Nashville's been through a lot. And I know every town and everybody's been through a lot. But right before COVID hit, we had a tornado, um, Mm. just level parts of Nashville. And then the cleanup had to happen. During the first week of the pandemic when we didn't know, you know, oh, how bad everything would be and what was going on. And there were a lot of unknowns. And so it's a lot. There are a lot of people um, exhausted, I will say.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's just like we're on lockdown here Mm. still. Okay. And um my husband's company just put out a notice today saying that they have another six months of this as a company policy mm. where everybody has to work from home. I work from home anyways, but I don't know, like, are we ever going to be somewhat normal again? Like, are you guys on lockdown?
1: We're actually, we're not on lockdown anymore. You're so and- liberal where you live, right, Brandy? you <sighs> yeah. No, (laughs) no, no. No, We live in a a really conservative part of Mm. the United States, Um, which I think is part of the reason why we're not on lockdown. Um, People don't want to wear the masks and um, people are really concerned about the economy and things like that. Um, I don't, I don't normally get too political but um, I'm not as conservative as most of the people around me. I will say that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, um, our COVID numbers are really high. Our ICUs are nearing capacity at this moment. So, what are your what are your daily numbers
0: at for your area? Do you know that? I was just looking today. Okay, yeah, pull them up. Let's just do a little comparison here. I'm starting to do a little bit more of this COVID discussion with my guests because even though, you know, we're all going through it,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: everybody is going through it on such a different level.
1: Yeah, it's very different depending on where you're at. Yeah. So in Nashville, well, do you want me to do the whole state or just the city? Um, Do your... Do your
0: state because okay. then I can do my state as well, my province.
1: Okay. So, as of today, a couple hours ago, the Tennessee Department of Health reported 689,808 cumulative cases, 57,032 active cases. 8,470 deaths, 624,306 inactive or recovered cases, 2,647 hospitalized, and over 6 million tests processed. And those are the stats that they published today. from the beginning. Yes. Well, the cumulative cases. Yeah, cumulative. Yeah. It's a lot. But the active cases across the entire state are at 57,000 right now. So I'm looking
0: at mine. I just want to see. I don't know if I can just... So, Alberta cases, 117,000. That would be cumulative. Um, we had 500 new cases today. And we have 1,447 deaths cumulative. So, we are completely different in our numbers. Yeah. But you said you had 50,000. Fifty thousand um fifty seven thousand active 57, cases. Active cases. And our mm-hmm. active cases are eighteen thousand. And it's mandatory to
1: wear a mask here. Mm-hmm. It is it is in the town I'm in, it is. In the town you're in? Okay. But it's different um everywhere town, you go, town. right? Mm-hmm. It would be helpful kids if there was. To... Oh, sorry. Go, Go ahead.
0: Do your kids have to wear masks in school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Same as same as here. Yeah. Which is
1: really good. Can you get your hair cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're not on lockdown. Um, there are people everywhere doing normal things. Everything. The- Bars are open. Um, what? Oh yeah. my God, we can't even go for dinner. <laughs> yeah, the thing, like we we haven't though, like. Right, you've chosen not to yes. participate. Exactly, and um, gosh, we're coming up, you know, in March, it will have been a year since we went on lockdowns here. And, you know, my husband and I, if we do do something, it's outside where mm-hmm. you know the risk is lower. Um, and you know, we go to the grocery store. Um, Fun, right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: I'm trying to think. That's, <laughs> That's our outing. Much it. Yeah, I actually don't even go in anymore. I order my groceries online, and I just go and pick them up. We have like a pay and pickup system. We have that too. We do that a lot too. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't want to go into grocery store, <laughs> but I know we can't go for dinner. You can pick up and take out, We mm-hmm. you can't like sit in and have a visit and, you know, enjoy an evening or have a glass of wine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you're allowed to play at public parks, but at your own risk. Okay. Because they're not being sanitized or anything. Gotcha. But... Nothing is open. You can't go to a bar. Our our hairdressers only opened yesterday. Oh, okay. After a month of lockdown, mm-hmm. um so you can have a manicure and get your hair cut and whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like none of the gyms are open, no theaters, like I have no concerts, like nothing, like nothing in groups of anything. And you are not allowed to have any single person in your home that doesn't belong in your family Oh that lives with you. Wow. Okay. That's different here. So We um, can have like our siblings over or cousins or not like nothing, no parents, no nothing.
1: Yeah. Okay. See, they're encouraging us to not have gatherings in your house with more than eight people. Hmm. So even at like Christmas and Thanksgiving, people were still gathering in droves. I mean, I know people who there were, you know, 20 people in the same room, even though they were advising, you know, only do eight, but how would you, how would you enforce it? I don't know. There's no, you know, it's just a guideline. It's not the,
0: we have a, we have a snitch line here so we can snitch on our neighbors or snitch on people. Oh, <laughs> we wouldn't, but we saw our neighbors and they had like guests over, over Christmas and stuff like that. <laughs> we weren't snitching, but we were like, tisk tisk, you rule breakers.
1: <laughs> a and we snitch just stayed line. home. Yeah, wow. there's a snitch
0: line. Yeah, and That's... it's active too.
1: Awesome.
0: I guess. you know all That's your nosy neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> it's for them. It's not for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I hope your family just stays safe and well, and you know we'll get through it day by day, and mm-hmm. come yeah. out to different people at the end of it all.
1: Yeah. But um Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think when we finally come out on the other side of this, I think we'll all be changed. I don't think it'll be the way it was before it started.
0: We will forever be changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, we, like we had the um, Spanish flu mm. in 1912. It came into our city here. I don't know when it would have hit your city, but it was the world pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, even seeing the pictures of people then wearing masks and walking to and from school and like all the things that we do today, like you're still a human being. You still have to abide by the rules. You don't want to become sick and in the hospital. Like it's, I mean, they made it through those who made it through, made it through the people it's who true. made it through are forever marked by mm-hmm. the
1: experience. Mm-hmm. And for the people who survive COVID, I think you're forever marked too. Like I've heard people who, um, who I know who have friends or like, there are people in my family who have had it and it's just, they say you feel different after you've had it, it takes a really long time to not be out of breath when you do something or um, it changes you. My dad is
0: terribly scared to get it. He has a compromised health and he is just totally takes every precaution, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard healthy people can get it and, you know, have horrible side effects and long-term effects. So whether you're healthy or not, it's just how it's going to affect your body, which is so different than the next person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, Let's talk about your incredible book. Okay. Sure, I yeah. love your book. So tell us, tell us about what you kind of were piecing together to put the thoughts through on your book. Have you written a book before? Is this your first book? And
1: yeah, kind of tell me about your process and how it ended up. And Sure. This is my first book that I've written that I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say it that way. Um, over the years, I've written many books for companies I've worked for um, that are more technical. But with this particular one, it just sort of um, hit me that i had all of this information that i had been gathering through the podcast for 2 years and i was like well when you've got information you should look at it and see what you can see so um i've been asking people what does being human mean to you since i started asking that question in november of 2017 before i even had the podcast mm-hmm. and I've see, I've also had the chance over the years to ask some of the same people that same question and see if it changes. So, what I did was just look at all the answers. I compiled all the answers and started observing patterns and um, trends and things like that. And that's basically how it came about. I was like, well, let's let's put it all together and. And put it out there because it's. I think it's interesting and gives us some insight into what it means to be a human, I think, based on a, a grander scale.
0: Hmm. I remember when you asked me that question and when I read through your book and reviewed all these other people that had completely different answers to the same question. I was so humbled by you know being in that group of people and reading what our perspectives are on the exact same question. Yeah. I thought that was just incredible. It was yeah. so it was so eye-opening to hear some of the answers and When you are reading one against the other, because you kind of have it laid out almost like um, a timeline, Mm -hmm. right, a timeline, and you kind of have a question on one side of the or an answer on one side of the vertical line and then kind of back and forth. So you can go through, they're not chronological, but you can go through and see how people respect
1: being a human, Mm -hmm. On different spectrums, that was what you're talking about is Mm -hmm. um, I categorized them into what I found was people's answers fall into a couple of different spectrums, like a Mm -hmm. range. And some answers are highly collective and some are highly focused on the individual. And then some are highly external And some are highly internal. And those are the two main spectrums that I noticed. Mm. Um, And within those spectrums, the answers have certain common themes, which have to do with like our health, our morality, our purpose, just all the things that go into existence for us. And so that's what that comparison was, was sort of Mm. showing where people fall on a range.
0: Yeah, you really put a ton of thought into the patterning and mapping and the comparisons and the cat, you almost like did a disc review on everybody. So we were all in these kind of different categories, which isn't really far off from what you did, because more on the emotional side and more on the extroverted Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely worth reading. And is your book still free? Yes, for right now, for right now, it's is, still free. It's okay, free for the moment. free for the moment. Okay. So when I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but when it goes live, if it's still free, great. If it isn't, then maybe we can discuss it. okay um, and just have a have it available for um my listeners to have a copy of it because I think it's I think it's one of those books that you read and, it's kind of like The Secret. Did you ever read The Secret
1: book? I have not. But are you talking about the Positive Thinking book from the 90s? Mm. That is so crazy that you brought that up because I literally just had a guest on the show um, before Erica mm. who who talked about this book. So <laughs> it just keeps coming up. Yeah, yeah. See,
0: that's why we were meant to be in the same The same group of people. Yeah. But that, so that book kind of is, makes you reflect and makes you ponder and things have a purpose and you're meant to be and do what you're doing and it's affirming. Mm -hmm. And when I read your book, I read it all in one sitting. I just sat and like, just poured myself into your book and just came out of it feeling so good and so inspiring (gasps) and yeah like I just I love it when things are so purposeful mm-hmm. and you can tell that there was a sure purpose to what you put into that book mm-hmm. do you have it handy
1: I do I've got do it you want to just right here.
0: do you want to read um do you want to read the description of it or read something for
1: us out of it Do you feel comfortable doing that? Okay. Yeah, I can read a little something. Let's Um, get a
0: little something, something about your book.
1: And let me preface this by saying, when you have all these answers and um, they're all coming from the same type of being, like a human who Mm -hmm. you sort of think should have similar experiences and things like that, I think you get a lot of cognitive dissonance when there are perspectives that um, don't line up with another perspective and you're like well which one is right because we can't all be right I guess can we so I have an example in here of um, one person's answer of being human is all about your free will and being able to make your own decisions and have the consequences of those decisions and that's from Sarah Gates of episode Fifty. But then a Facebook follower, um, and I should say this, who is actually also my late ex-husband, his definition of being human was accepting the illusion of free will, believing you have infinite choices when your options have already been selected. So I thought, wow, these Mm. are so opposing. How do you know which one's the truth? And so using research and what I know of science and mixing that with like logic and philosophy, I came up with this way for finding the truth. And so I'll read a little bit of that. Finding truth. Here's where philosophy comes in. First, we have to look at if an opinion is based on fact or fiction. If the opinion is based on fact, it could be considered more accurate. Then we get into the gray area of knowing how to tell when facts are accurate. Then telling the difference between a fact and and an opinion can even have shades of gray. For instance, we know that when two eyewitnesses of a crime see the exact same crime, they can retell how it happened differently because that recollection is based on perception. So let's not go down those rabbit holes, then they don't work. Because what is truth for one person in their world of one perception, because they can't possibly be inside the head of another is not the truth for another and vice versa. That's not to say personal truths aren't real or important, because they are very real and important. They impact us every day. But a personal truth can't be a universal truth. If we want universal truth, we have to look at universal phenomena rather than perception. This can get tricky, but let's try it. Hmm. Yep. And then it goes on to basically take you through um, like a really um, brief description of string theory and vibrations in matter. And how when you vibrate low, you're more dense. And when you vibrate high, you um, your particles are further apart. And so you can see, you know, there's more room between them. So there's more clarity. So basically basing um, answers about life in love rather than these lower density emotions mm. is how you find the truth, but there's way more detail in the, in the rest. But now you kind of get an idea for those of you listening about
0: the depth and the thought and the purpose, full reflection Brandy put into her book. So when you read it, she does, she talks almost like quantum physics and, (laughs) you know, particles in the air that make you feel more open to looking at something. Or Mm -hmm. feel more open about that side of the conversation versus closed and shut down and not willing to see the other side of it. And I think that's true with your book too, is you see all these sides of the same question. Mm -hmm. And it's like, holy man, like this is what people said about what it is to be human to them, I forget what I said, but I'll look it up and then I'll put a little snippet in here. Okay, what does being human mean to you, Brandy?
1: Did you have a snippet in there? I can't remember if you did. I have yours in the book. You're in there. Do you want me to read yours? Oh sure, yeah, read mine. You said, "Being human to me means having empathy. It means reading a room for emotion, feeling emotion, being connected to people on a level that doesn't really like." need words Mm. that's pretty cool yeah
0: they're making me even blush a little
1: (laughs) but you are on the spectrum um, I put you on the internal and external spectrum and you're closer to the you're sort of in the middle but you're just a little bit closer to the internal side
0: Mm. probably because I'm an empath probably so Mm mm-hmm um I I allowed you to ask me one question.
1: Make mm-hmm. it an easy one. What's your <sighs> question for me? I don't know if this is an easy one, but I am so curious to know as a Canadian, what are your thoughts about the current political climate in the United States and does it impact your life at all? You
0: know, as a Canadian, We're saddened when we watch the news and look at the unrest that's in the U.S. right now. Mm. Not just political or Black Lives Matter or COVID. I mean, it just seems to be this tornado of polarizing opinions. And both of them are probably right. Um. We talk about, you know, you're our sister country. We're connected to you. Mm-hmm. We like share the same border. We're family. We're connected to this country that has uh, so much unrest. Um, the U.S. is a central place that not just Canadians look up to, but the world compares their dollar to it, their economy to it, their demographic. It's a land of opportunity, of dreams. So, I mean, we reflect on that on so many levels by like not traveling. We would go into the northern U.S. like almost every single year and travel through some of your northern states. We have family in Tennessee. We have family in California. We have family down, I mean, south and yeah, we we find it troubling. I think it's time that the U.S. should take to heal. I think they need a sense of calm. We feel like maybe the unrest isn't over yet, mm-hmm. although we're sending positive vibes to help just heal the country and heal the anger. That's what we see. That's what we feel up here. Okay. I think it's just a shame. And some of the like most recent attacks on the White House and um some of the the characters that are breaking down the professionalism and the quality of this mega country, it's just a shame.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how we feel,
1: okay, well, that's good to know,
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting when I look at where you live and where we live. We have about the same population. Mm-hmm. We have very similar demographics. We're conservative, like mm-hmm. you guys. Okay. Um, and, you know, we can compare kids, we're both parents. So we, you know, we can compare to, to that level of our everyday life. But when you look at the country as a whole, like we just want it to heal. It's just time for mm-hmm. just some calmness.
1: Yes. We need calm. You know, I just had a reminder just popped up on my screen that says pray for peace. Oh my gosh. I set that reminder a couple of weeks ago because tonight is the night before I know. the inauguration. <laughs> So we'll see what happens.
0: Before I came into my meeting, my husband showed me on screen. The White House has 250,000 flags set mm-hmm. up in front of it. Okay. I have it. And they're what? all, yeah, it's for the inauguration ceremony tomorrow. And they're all like in strips of color coming from the front of the White House all the way out to where all the people would be standing for the inauguration. Oh. And it was so beautiful.
1: I'll have to go. And they're just
0: they're American flags. And it's just incredible. And it's calm. And it's beautiful. And there's lights and hopefully it stays that way. oh yeah, I know. I'm so praying for you guys. I sure hope it goes smooth and the country can heal. Mm -hmm. We need the people that are on the Trump side, that are not the radicalists or the terrorists, obviously, but we need the people who are on the Trump side to help heal those people that are on. We can have these polarizing opinions, and we can have the polarizing discussions, but it doesn't have to go to the level that it's at. Yeah that answer your question okay (laughs) yes yes Uh, i don't know i just how do you feel how do you feel like i talked to another lady the other day and she's like i just want to get the heck out of the u.s and move somewhere else
1: like just so much turmoil there is i think um the way i feel about it is it's unfortunate that a lot of people are being hurt and a lot of hate is coming to light, but when you have a country that is built with, there are there are systems in place that maybe served a purpose at a certain time, but there's definitely oppression built into the fabric of our nation, and when that's the case, it has to rise up So that you can see it before you can do something about it. And I think that's where we're at. I think that Mm. all of the things that need to be purged and cleansed from this place are coming to light. Mm. And I hope that enough people see that to make changes and to, to find the good and sort of transmute What's happening so that it wasn't all for nothing? Yeah, that's how I feel.
0: <laughs> I think that's great because you want, you know, you want your voice heard and you want to have a say or make a stand, make your mark. But can we do it with the right intentions and for the good of the people, for the good of the country,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and still have your passion?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So what's next for you?
1: Mm, I'm excited about this. Okay, Um, I'm going to tell you about something that I haven't announced yet. So I'm on the inside circle. Yeah, you get to hear it first here. So um, I am launching an online course in March, Mm. and it's all about breaking negative cycles. Wow. Yes. And, um, I'm halfway through writing it right now in January and I'm so excited for it because it is literally, it is just flowing out of my head. Like it just Hmm. belongs where it's going. And, um, it's all experiential and, you know, um, I've been through a lot of, uh, abuse, uh, Poverty at certain points in my life, divorce, um, a lot of traumatic things mm. have happened. And it took me years to learn certain lessons. And so I'm approaching this as a mentor, sharing my experience to support other people in healing maybe faster or um processing things in a way that they wouldn't think about without this perspective. So, I'm hoping that it it helps some people who need it. And wow, you're just incredible. So, will this be like an
0: online course or would it be something that's pre-recorded or live?
1: Very heavy thing. Okay yeah and it will be pre-recorded but i'm still working on the details about how the student support will happen whether that'll mm. be like regular live calls or a facebook group or you know how i want to build a community around it that's all um in the works in the works i've got to figure mm. some of that out but yeah and i've got one more um side project that's literally just forming as we speak Hmm. um it's called (laughs) call c-a-w-w which is calling all white women and it's it's not racist it's actually um meant to take responsibility for the conversation that that white women need to have in order to help progress the dismantling of white supremacy Hmm. and so it's all about learning about our role as white women in this system of oppression so like even though we think we're one of the good ones and we are you know we love people and all these things we're still part of this Like we're just part of it. We're part of the racism because of lack of knowing the way things are. Yeah, right. And so this lack of exposure, how we grew up. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is all about well, let's unlearn. You know the things that were taught to us that are maybe harmful to some other people. And there are tons of Black women that are already doing a lot of this educational advocacy work. So Hmm. we want to not reinvent the wheel and take from them. We want to elevate them and support their work and at the same time take responsibility for our part in it, which needs to change, basically. I have a podcast for you to listen to.
0: Okay. It's from NPR. Okay. Do you ever listen to NPR? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um. So Ira Glass, it's Ira Glass hosts the show, and it's called "Nice White Parents." Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't listened to it. You should listen to it. Okay. It makes me think about your kind of your ca- your cause with ca, mm-hmm. and just that title alone, you have your own opinion about it mm-hmm. so when you listen to it, shoot me an email and give me your perspective on the story because sure. there's nothing like what you think okay. it was it's incredible nice white parents.
1: All right and I should say too I can't take all the credit for call um, I've actually partnered up with a lovely woman here named Courtney Rogers. And, um, she has been a politician and she is Mm. also, um, she owns her own company in operations and logistics and just feels very strongly about this cause. So she put a call out and I answered it and, um, we've been creating this action plan and it's sort of a grassroots effort and people are just joining the list and we're going to take some action.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, keep me posted on that for sure. Sure. And I will, I mean, I follow you on your socials. Is there anything else you want to share with me today?
1: I don't think so, but um, Valerie, I just love talking to you and I'm like so honored that you asked me to come be on your show. So thank you. You are most welcome.
0: I always feel such a good vibe around you, whether I'm reading your Instagram posts or your book or listening to your episodes. And I feel like you're just such a true, genuine person who really cares and you have such a passion for this change in humanity. And I'm humbled that you came on my show. So thank you. Thank you for being here even though we're far away from each other. Maybe one day we'll meet in person. You never know. Oh, that would be amazing. I bet we will. We'll make it happen. You just never know, hey? Our paths will cross. Uh So in closing, thank you. What did you think of Brandy? One thing I love about her is she's so purposeful. From her guests to the words she uses to describe her favorite episodes, or most powerful posts, so thought provoking. When Brandy said that every guest she feels connected to, I think that when you meet someone in the event of your meeting is an interview, there's something that happens between you two that was meant to happen, meant to be connected. She feels this, and so do I. Can you imagine Christmas morning and there's no communication? Find Brandy on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the regular socials on Human Amplified. Nashville was hit by a suicide bomber with the intent to be destroyed.